the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Been doing financial media and working in the financial industry now for 20 plus years. I'll sit down and actually come up maybe 23 with the numbers. I don't know. Is it all that important? I've seen some cycles up and I've seen just a few cycles down. I bring you experience of a person who grew up with video games. So I'll bring that to the show. I know you're saying video games. Yeah. There's a lot to learn from video games as far as investments go. They're not bad. They're capturing our eyeballs. They're capturing our dollars, our entertainment dollars. We only have so many entertainment dollars. Which would I rather do? Get a video game, play it for 60 hours, or go to a movie, be done with it in two and a half? They're about the same when you factor in concessions, right? People my age look at video games as entertainment. They don't look at them as like, oh, you're you're a junkie, a kid who just sits around and gets fat on the couch all day. Well, some of them do. But it's even expanded in entertainment to like things like Twitch. And Microsoft has a service now where you can watch other people play video games. And what's fascinating about this is there's a company called Take-Two that uh, at the beginning of the year they released Red Dead Redemption 2. It's cowboy. You get to play a cowboy. And how fun is that? You get to like shoot bad guys, and bad guys get to shoot you. Good guy shoots bad guy, bad guy dies. But that video game has gotten so real that you have a horse. You name your horse, and he becomes your friend, that kind of thing. Yeah, we've seen that before. My Little Pony kind of tricks. But the horse in cold weather, his genitalia shrinks. Like, whoa. (laughs) They made this game that kind of real. So people get immersed in it. And when you go to your job every day and you hate your boss and you want to tell your boss to take this job and shove it, you can't. So you come home and you're a cowboy. And maybe you put your boss's head on the bad guy and really go at him, if you know what I'm saying. So, take two, when it got positive reviews, the stock moved up over 20%. When you're talking about a company that could pull in, you know, a billion dollars, a billion dollars is a billion dollars, right? So, flash forward to Nintendo Switch, got great reviews in last year's. Nintendo stock has done great. If the games get good reviews, people will play them. If they don't play them, then maybe they'll watch people on Twitch or on Microsoft's gaming service. Maybe. you know, Mixer, I think it's called. Forgive me if I'm wrong. I'm not totally hip on everything. But there was another company that just came out with a game not too long called Activision Blizzard came out. They bought a studio called Blizzard years ago. They just used to be called Activision, but now they're Activision Blizzard. Um, Blizzard's known for Diablo, World of Warcraft, and Activision is known for Call of Duty. Now, there's a new Call of Duty video trailer. It's on YouTube. 
It was released at one of the video game conferences or Comic-Con or something. I don't know. But when it was released, I, I noticed it because it got millions of eyeballs. So I was like, okay, let's go watch this. And it's nostalgically fun. They brought the team back that made the game 10 years ago. And it looks, it looks better than ever. They've kind of gotten away from the roots. So they're trying to get back to the roots. So far, the interest in playing Call of, the new Call of Duty game that's coming out in November is higher than playing Fortnite, which has 200 million people playing. And that's a, you know, we get excited when we hear 100 million people watch the Super Bowl. When you have 200 million plus people playing a game, you can dominate some revenue generation ideas. So Activision might be a stock idea to consider. Consult a worker advisor for taking action on any stocks but to mention. But it's getting good reviews because it also just released World of Warcraft, 15-year anniversary edition. Now, World of Warcraft kind of, I'm not going to say it predated the success of Epic's Fortnite Battle Royale. But it was very social. And I remember 15 years ago, I, I wasn't, I'm not consumed by video games. I, I like watching the, the march of them because I grew up in that era where there was literally Pong. I was around for the worst of the worst. I was around with teletype games and games like Zork, which they didn't even have money to make graphics. They just made a text adventure. Do you want to open the door, draw your sword, or light a torch? And you had to hit one, two, or three kind of thing. So the new game, not the new game, the old game, World of Warcraft, they've already made it. They probably put a little spit on the graphics to, to make it shine. But they re-released it. And at 15 bucks a month, if they can get a million people to subscribe for 15 bucks a month, it's going to be a revenue generator out of nowhere for Activision. And guess what I'm calling? I'm calling that a stock that's going to rally into the holiday season. Now... May not rally 100% like we got in the late 90s when companies like Yahoo would go from 16 to 250, back down to 16 over time. But it could still have a nice 20% rally, and that ain't a bad trade. Now, I don't base everything in my life on trades. I find trades few and far between. I find trades to be, oh, that's nice. But I have a core portfolio that I continue to add to every two weeks in my 401k. Every cup, every week with my Acorns account, I'm throwing money in so it rebalances into more stocks. So, on one hand, I got some trading, kind of sexy money, but I know it doesn't always turn out the way you want it to. Sometimes trades go bad, and that's why you have to be honest with yourself. If I just said it's a three-month play potentially into the holiday season, I'm not saying it's a six-month play. I'm not saying it's a three-day trade. What did I say? Three-month trade into the, uh, the holiday season. So check in at that point in time and say, do I still want it? Do I want to cut some down? Was Rob right? Was Rob wrong? Again, don't do what I say on radio. Let me do it. I don't mind getting richer than you. <laughs> you plebeian. Um, but yeah, you have to have developed dialogue and stories on things like this. I look at the inverted yield curve. I'm like, okay, blah, 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 blah. I, it, it's a little bit too too short, bullet-shot focused for me. There's going to be bad economies. There's going to be recessions. I have to move on. Will I tinker with my portfolio because of a pending recession? Maybe a little bit. Maybe. Probably I'm going to tinker with my portfolio after I have a great year. I like to rebalance after greatness, not necessarily try to figure things out after horrible. 
let's say I did get into a horrible situation. I didn't see a recession coming and the markets go down 80%. I'd still re- figure it out even though I don't want to after the fact. But I'd rather be proactive than reactive. I got this all in my head. Now, I'm not just a video game guy. I like the demographics of the aging of the baby boomer. A lot of retirees equals lots of pharmaceuticals, right? Um, my mom's been on 10 plus, 12 plus pills a day for the rest of her life. As an 80 plus year old woman, I expect her to take more pills and not less pills. So I, I, I look at the pharmaceuticals for dividends. I look at video games for growth. I look at social media as stealing eyeballs away from traditional media. These are all themes. Don't get too caught up in them. Sometimes you just want a company that earns money. And there's no shame in that. I look at the interest rates as this hasn't been a good environment for banks, and it pisses me off because I love banks. But the longer we keep rates low, the longer we keep financially engineering our economy through interest rates and debt buybacks, the tougher it is for it to be a level playing field for the banks to succeed. They're doing okay. But there's better opportunities per se. Consultant Worker Advisor for State Action and Stocks Mitch on the show. Now, don't forget, there's a big event coming up Saturday, September 21. Two events. One's going to be in the morning from uh, 9.30 to 11, and one's going to be in the afternoon, 1 to 3. You can learn more about the events at newfocusfinancial.com and use the code RADIO25 to get in full or free. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. We're making financial sense of your portfolio. Now, back to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. Good day. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. I had to take a morning off of live radio yesterday due to the fact that there was a family emergency. Not my family, but a a dear friend's family. So, sorry about that. I saw that we had a big update in the markets, and I was like, oh, that would have been a fun one. The updates are always fun, right? Wrong. Markets are working. They're nearing all-time highs. It's kind of what they do. It's kind of boring. It's kind of predictable. With that said, we're having a fantastic year, although we had a really, really volatile August that a lot of people say might lead to a down market, which, again, it'll happen. It happens. It happens regularly. Recessions are uh, every four- to five-year event, typically historically. So I'm okay with that. I I would classify that as boring. The news that the People's Bank of China announced a 50 basis point cut in the required reserve ratio for China's bank is a big story today. Um, The employment situation report is a big story. It's the first Friday of the month. Past few sessions have been quite good for the stock market, pushing the S&P 500 back to that big round number near 3,000. Wall Street loves that. No, 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 no. Let me correct that. Wall Street doesn't care. Financial media loves big round numbers. I like it because it's proximity to all-time highs, which I think rewards people and gives them faith again and again and again and again that the markets regularly hit all-time highs. And I'll tell you, I think we're in the golden age of investing because we're inflating assets due to the fact that the world has become more competitive 
there's issues with countries where we used to go to war with guns with each other. Now we're going to war economically with each other. But the way we're fighting our economic wars right now is lower interest rates on a worldwide level, essentially. All countries are kind of doing it. Sometimes we're buying our own debt, which just seems weird. Don't you wish you could do that? Print money, buy your own debt. Go get more. Go borrow more money. Go print more money. Hey, honey, go get the color ink jet. We got we to gotta print some cash. Now, the employment situation report for August conveyed, and again, it's super important, first Friday of every month, because it shows you people are employed or not. On every Thursday of every week, you get the first-time unemployment claims. It shows you if people are going to become unemployed or not. Typically, you're looking for a trend. Typically, you're looking for a smoothing of data, not necessarily a one-shot and you're out. Job growth averaged 158000 per month so far this year versus the average monthly gain of about 223000 in 2018. Average hourly earnings were up 3.2% year-over-year in August versus 3.3% in July. A little slowing, but it's also a pretty good number. The jobs report was probably met, I would say, with some negativity. And that's okay. Again, it kind of comes with the territory, if you know what I'm saying. Um, sometimes you look at data and you go, oh, that's shockingly bad. And then you start scratching at the data and you go, eh, it's not so bad. What was I thinking? The U.S. economy adding 130,000 jobs in August, 25,000 were temporary census workers, were below expectations. It may sound bad, but other labor market indicators suggest conditions for American workers are A-OK. Solid. I don't know which one's better, A-OK or solid. All and right, is A-OK, right, right, right. uh, Mr. Matthew McConaughey, ladies and gentlemen. After accounting for the recent benchmark revisions to the number of Americans with jobs, employment growth has been slowing. Some of the slowdown can be attributed to improving economic conditions. The more people who already have jobs, the harder it is to find additional workers. This is why analysts generally prefer to take a look at the proportion of people who have jobs relative to some other variable. So sometimes people have jobs and they're part-time looking for full-time. So trying to get an accurate measure for economic reasons could also be sometimes politically motivated and charged. There's something called the underemployment index. It's been hovering about 3% in the second half of 2018, since the second half of 2018, down from about 6.5% in 2019, uh, 2009, 2010. Um, it's a very low level, and it's a very good indicator. So I'd say the jobs report doesn't look great, but I'll also be honest with you, it's not bad. Um, it's how many people are searching for jobs and how many people are falling off the job search ranks, and then how many people have jobs and how much wage inflation there is. If we have wage inflation, we tend to spend it. Hey, you've got a raise. Guess what? You're still going to run out of money at the end of the two weeks like you always do is my guess, because we tend to spend what we can. Hurricane Dorian's in the news. Should be an economic plus to the economy. In fact, if we get a couple more storms, should be an economic plus. Bad for insurance companies, bad for the consumer in the long term, bad for businesses in the long term because insurance companies will raise rates. But in the short term, insurance companies are going to have to write checks. Again, there's always going to be an issue with insurance companies and deductibles and things like, isn't a flood an act of God? And isn't it odd that we can't insure acts of God? Um, I know, you're saying, you're getting sidetracked, don't. I'll try not to. 
800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. A lot of states, in other news, are starting to uh, create uh, anti-monopoly, anti-competitive, not anti-monopoly, cases against Facebook and Google. It should be a pretty bad 2020 as far as PR headlines go for Facebook and Google. And I can't even imagine a world where it gets better. When you start looking at leaks of data, it's really easy to turn those companies into evil. Even if like they're adding to America's productivity, like you can make them pretty evil, and it's pretty easy for a politician to take a shot at them. Disappointing jobs report would have been much worse without newly hired census workers. So we got the census going on in 2020. That'll be interesting because that, too, will become politicized. What is a household? Is some people who have come over from the border a household who have a house and who have jobs? What if they are documented or undocumented? What's a household? Right? Um, other stories out there of note, American Airlines mechanic charged with the sabotaging of an aircraft. You don't want your mechanics to sabotage an aircraft. Now, the Mechanics Union and American Airlines are having kind of a labor negotiation problem that's kind of been going on for a while. American Airlines also has a lot of exposure to Boeing 787, uh, 737, the plane that's been grounded. So American Airlines looks really cheap because a lot of the bad news is pushing the stock down. If those two things come to an end, those would be positive, positive catalysts. Now, the mechanic allegedly placed foam in a tube that leads to a uh, flight navigation system. Takeoff was aborted, and the aircraft in question was taken out of service. The mechanic told law enforcement he was upset about stalled contract talks with the airlines. Wow. <laughs> That's not the way to go about it, right? I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Coming up, we're going to talk inverted yield curve with CFP Chad Burton. I'm Rob Black. Don't forget, we have a big event coming up this month. You can sign up for the event at newfocusfinancial.com. It's at the Rotary Summit Center in San Jose, Saturday, September 21. You can learn more by going to newfocusfinancial.com. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Comments and questions are always welcome. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Let's bring in certified financial planner, Chad Burton. Let's talk a little inverted yield curve. What is it? And give us an update on what we're seeing in the action. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So there's several different types of government bonds that are issued by the U.S. government. Um, and an inverted yield curve is when shorter term bonds end up paying you more in interest than longer term bonds. So typically, if you buy a bond, right, Rob, you'd want to say, if, if I'm going to give you this money, I'm going to loan you this money for um, two years, I'll get one rate. But if I lend it to you for 10 years, I want a higher rate because I've got to wait longer to get my principal back. 
Um, so what happens when a yield curve inverts is when shorter-term bonds are paying more than longer-term bonds. So what happened is the first time, I think it was August 14th, we saw an inversion of the yield curve on the two-year bonds and the 10-year bonds. That's the biggest watched one. Now, other parts of the yield curve had already inverted. But um, so a couple days ago, and then the first time on August 14th, we saw that inversion where two-year bonds were paying more than 10-year bonds. Now, right now, that's not an inversion. It's close, but right now, as we do this, the two-year bond's paying 1.524%, and the 10-year bond is paying 1.562%. So just about the same rate, but it's not uh, currently inverted. And the, the 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 bigger one is though that when we look at it is how much of the yield curve is inverted when you look at three months six months you know all the way up the line all the way up to thirty year bonds right now sixty percent of the uh, yield curve is inverted back on August fourteenth let's say sixty percent of the yield curve was inverted and that's only happened five times in the last forty one years. And I just want to say right from the beginning that 50% of the time, Rob, the yes. stock market was positive three years later. Okay. So I've always looked at the bond market as the smarter of the two markets. Smart money goes with Great. bonds, and the stock market's a little bit more volatile. I think they both reflect intelligently over time our economy, and our economy is good over time, typically. Um, so that's why people pay attention to the bond market, because it's considered short-term smart. Now, why is a yield curve inversion tied so closely with recession talks? And do you think it is a good predictor or predicator of a recession? Well, so there's a there's kind of a couple of things going on right now. Number one is that there was so much central bank involvement. We had the Federal Reserve, Rob, Mm-hmm. taking money and going out on the market over the last many years to buy bonds, right? They, they, held, they went out and bought bonds, causing the prices to go up and the yields to go down. So there was, there was a, I mean, that, that, the amount that they did that, is, it's unprecedented. And it, it was happening somewhat around the world. Okay. So some economists believe that it took away some of the power of an inversion predicting a recession, um, you can't deny the, you know, most of the time, I think there's only been like two inversions in the last seven where it didn't have a recession. Um, so you, you kind of look at it and say, okay, well, there's something there. There's something that, th- there's been a recession close. But the issue is that since 1956, um, recessions have started on average 15 to 22 months after an inversion of the two and 10 year spread of that two year bond versus the 10 year bond. So 15 to 22 months, I mean, that is such a long period of time in finance, if you think about it. I mean, people have already forgotten about the correction that we had from September to December of last year. And we have a recession every seven to 10 years anyways, or we're supposed to. So is it a coincidence or is it a predictor? You know, you you can kind of argue it both ways. And sometimes people just really need to separate the fact that here's what's going on in politics, here's what's going on in the economy. You can still invest in companies that figure out how to navigate it. And even if those companies go through a rough time, it doesn't matter. If we look five to ten years out, they're typically higher, and they pay dividends along the way. So is it really something that you have to react to emotionally? Typically, emotional reactions and investing are a bad thing. So we're talking with CFP Chad Burton about the inverted yield curve that kind of cropped up in August 2019. Will it predict a recession? Will it not? I tend to like recessions, Chad. I know recessions kind of 
become the R word and are negative. I don't need money short term for my accounts. So I'm not all that stressed by recessions and they tend to help rebalance the economy from things that get too excited and things that get too underappreciated. They kind of start meeting back in recession. So I'm okay with recessions. But let's talk about, is this inversion different in your opinion? Well, we, we look at, you know, unprecedented central bank involvement in buying bonds. So that's, that's one issue. Um, Typically, okay, so recessions, expansions happen, and we, when you go through a major, huge, almost global depression from, you know, that 2008-9 correction, you're going to have typically longer expansions when you go through something that bad. Um, so what happens towards the end of an expansion is there's too much loose money, there's too much credit out there, and the economy overheats and inflation kicks up, and then the Federal Reserve wants to slow things down, so they go on a rate hike cycle. And we barely had a rate hike cycle. It wasn't anywhere near like we had in um, you know, 2004 and uh, I think into five. Typically, you have the, the Federal Reserve gets scared, so they raise rates to slow the economy or fight inflation, and then people get scared about a pending recession. They pile into the 10-year bond, and that's what causes the inversion. People were more piling into the 10-year bond just because the idea that the Federal Reserve wanted to lower interest rates because of Trump's trade war and pressure. So it is a little bit different. It, again, it doesn't matter as much as looking at the stock market and saying, are stocks expensive? Are they cheap? Are they fairly or fully valued? Or are there still places that are already trading like there's a recession? Good stuff. Now, do you believe we are in a recession or heading towards a recession? And if so... How do you think the stock market's going to take that news? Well, I think a lot of media hates Trump, and I think a lot of uh, media and politicians want a Trump recession going into elections. But until the trade issue spreads to the consumer, this is more of a manufacturing recession caused by the trade war. We have a global slowdown, but the U.S. economy is about the best place to be right now. Um, there, we've lived with this uncertainty of this trade war for almost three years now. And, and Brexit, is that a big issue? It's a political issue at this point. Most corporations have have uh, dealt with Brexit already, and it's just a disaster. Everybody knows it, and companies have already figured out how to to deal with it. Overall, the trade war, which is really the the issue causing this, U.S. exports are really only down, I think, around 1% for the year because it's been offset to exports to other places besides China. Um, and if we look at it, you invest in the stock market for a minimum of three to five years, minimum. Uh, we saw a 60% inversion of the yield curve in 1978. Three years later, the market was up 23%. Um, that happened again in May of 1989, a yield curve inversion. Three years later, the market was up over 30%. So do you really need to react? Um, typically, when you look at the stock market and the inversions, and we go farther back, uh, Dimensional Funds did a study where they looked at yield curve inversions over the last 40 years, and, and, and even globally. And the U.S. equity returns were positive 66% of the time 12 months later, but only 33% of the time, 36 months later. And when you look at all countries that they did a study in, global diversification, 
equity returns were positive 86% of the time 12 months later and 71% of the time 36 months later. So it's a time to take a fresh look at your portfolio, make sure you're not too overweight in something that's already done really well and looks expensive like large growth, be globally diversified, make sure you have whatever you need to spend always in the next three years and save money, and you're going to be okay. You don't need to worry about this too much. If you work with New Focus, you know where to find them if you want more information. But let's wrap up this interview and say, let's assume for just a moment we will go into a recession. We've got about a minute and a half. How should investors review their allocation? Are stocks too expensive? Are they too cheap? What do we need to know? It's really clear when you break down large-cap growth, uh, if, even if you find ETFs where you look at the fundamentals between large-cap growth and large-cap value or small-cap growth and small-cap value, that's the biggest diversion I've seen where the small-cap growth looks expensive, large-cap growth looks expensive in terms of price-to-sales, price-to-book, P.E. ratios. Um, yet small cap value and and even some of the large cap value spaces look pretty darn cheap over the long run. Emerging markets look cheap over the long run. So it's just really making sure you own all asset classes. You own the market, not just large growth, and you go for global diversification. That's so really nothing different, Rob. Just reallocate. Make sure you're investing for your risk tolerance, so you don't panic out if something bad happens. Only because I'm at, I haven't heard Admiral Akbar in a while. Is there a chance that what you just said could be wrong and that by going back to the right allocation for value that it turns into a value trap? Maybe it's we a should trap. stay Thank you, Adam Rockbar. Maybe we should stay overweight growth. Any chance it's a value trap? Well, I don't want you to go only value because typically what happens when the Federal Reserve lowers rates like we are going to see that's really good for growth assets, and there's a lot of great growth in some technology and healthcare and other places like that. So I'm not just saying go only value. I'm saying make sure you have some, and you're not just in the one asset class that's done the best over the last nine years. It's kind of like a baseball team. You kind of want different players' skills at different positions. It's kind of like a nice nutritional diet. You kind of want to throw in some vegetables with some fruit and... I'm with you on that one. So, um, thanks very much. Is there anything else we need to know? We got about 30 seconds. Uh, just uh, the event coming up on the 21st in San Jose. Good, good. I'll push people towards New Focus Financial, and you can listen to the commercials during the break. Uh, big event coming up in San Jose. Two events, a little bit different than normal. Sign up is a little more complicated because you have to pick an event. You can use the code RADIO25, and you can get more information at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Thanks, Chad. Rob Black has a financial interest in the success of New Focus Financial. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. I try to bring you a little bit of economy, a little bit of stock market, a little bit of insurance, a little bit of investing, a little bit of retirement, a little bit of 401k, um, relationship, kids' costs. I look at everything in the world as a financial decision. New cars versus used cars. I love new cars, but they're not very smart financially, if you know what I'm saying. Everything is a financial decision. Love having one million channels on cable television, but you pay for them. I'm actually okay just with 60 or 40. 
feel like we have overkill there, right? So everything's a financial decision. I think when you learn that, that helps. Take a look at your paycheck. See how much money is going to Social Security. See how much money is going to Social Security disability. See how much money you're paying into the system. Having done a long, quick road trip, I was quickly reminded that a lot of our money is going into roads in California. As I was driving up five and a ton of road work, construction going on. Who's paying for that? Me. My taxes, your taxes, income taxes, sales taxes, gasoline taxes, right? I kind of wish the roads were in a little bit better condition with all these quote-unquote taxes, 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 taxes. So we're in a stock market that has had a great run, nine years. It's had a great year. Over 15% is amazing. There were years back in the late 90s when the whole dot-com world was kind of getting established where markets had moved 70 80% in a year. You're like, how did that happen? Back when my dad was a child or when my dad was an investor, stock markets would move 10% from top to bottom in a year. So it got a little crazy in the 90s from top to bottom and bottom to top. And this year, it's, 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 it's a big one. It's a big year. So hopefully your stock, hopefully your 401k, hopefully your savings, hopefully your retirement plan is pretty fat right now. CFP Chad Burton just talked a little bit about rebalancing, heading into different economic cycles. He talked very smartly about the inverted yield curve and what it could mean to your portfolio and to you. And is it truly a prognosticator? Or is data just agnostic? And it, sometimes we read too much into it and ascribe value that we shouldn't. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Larry Kudlow was making the rounds today because it's the first Friday of the month. And the first Friday of the month, we have the Jobs Employment Situation Report. So Larry Kudlow is on the Economic Committee for President Trump. So he was calling CNBC. He was calling Bloomberg. And one of the things he did was he not only talked about the jobs number, and the wage inflation, which there's different ways of looking at inflation. I look at it in a very Goldilocks way. You don't want too much. You don't want too little. You want it just right. So Kudlow got on this morning and said, the talks with China earlier this week went very well. There was also some reports out yesterday, and I wasn't on air live. I'm sorry. A little family emergency. There was a report out yesterday that basically implied that China's got some websites and blog sites that the government tends to use as their mouthpiece. And there's some rabble, so to speak, on some of these websites and blogs that potentially some um, events will be happening in the trade war. And it was kind of implying positive results. So maybe China's government's kind of how shall we say, coming into form, like, let's get this behind us at some point in time. You would like to think President Trump could say, let's get this trade war behind us and let's hammer it out. It's probably in the best interest of both countries, probably in the best interest of the world. Now, again, I agree with Donald Trump. I think sometimes uh, contracts need to be renegotiated. I think they need to be revisited. You see it all the time in football, baseball, hockey, where a star player like Ezekiel Elliott of the Dallas Cowboys, I think he got $90 million for, as a running back, and he is carrying the load as a $90 million running back. He, he's earned it, so to speak. And maybe he was underpaid and kind of was time to you know 
kind of find that value rebalanced again. So I get why contracts need to be renegotiated. Again, I'm not a football guy, so please excuse me if that sounded incredibly ignorant. The NFL! Will it save television or not? Live sporting events. You know what's kind of interesting about the the cable companies like Comcast? There's not a lot of money to be made in the media deals as far as distributing cable per se, cable channels. There's a lot more when people opt for skinny packages and they get pay-per-view to kind of like uh, supplement it. So it's kind of it's kind of interesting. But the NFL, big talk, right? Um, season keeps kicking off right now. Packers beat the Bears last night. I couldn't believe it. I had to do a double take. They've played each other like 199 times. I was like, is that possible? They've been playing each other for 100 years or something like that. I was like, I kind of thought the NFL was kind of a 1960s, 1950s. I don't know, but it can't go back 100 years, can it? Whoa. Apparently it can. Anyhow, um, one of the problems in our economy right now is that there is a lot of decisions to be made. And when you're at a nine-year bull market, I would say the best IPOs probably come out in year two, three, four, because they've kind of maybe just come out of a negative economic cycle, and now they're rebuilding and hiring, and then they go public. Right now, there's a company called WeWork, which is just nuts. It's got, it's got the wrong valuation, as Phil Grandy would say. It's nuts. WeWork is discussing whether or not to proceed with its upcoming IPO, and I think that's a good sign. We're flooding the market with too many decisions on companies that are losing billions of dollars. Now, for Uber and Lyft, the IPOs were not smash hits this year. But for the IPO market overall, it's been pretty good. It's been, pre- But it's also been pretty speculative. We're paying too much of a valuation for Beyond Meat. We love the story. But we're paying too much. Now, WeWork, I don't get it. Too high of a valuation, losing too much money. I'm kind of glad they're shelving their IPO. A lot of... Pieces moving in the economy and the stock market. Here to help you with that, me, Rob Black, CFP Chad Burton, New Focus Financial. You can find out about an event coming up at newfocusfinancial.com. Saturday, September 21, two events, one in the morning hours and one in the afternoon hours. You can sign up and learn by listening to the commercials or go to newfocusfinancial.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.